What If the Len Bias Story, hosted by Jordan Ritter Kahn, is the Ringer's latest narrative podcast. Episodes one and two launch on June 9th, and you can find new episodes every Wednesday on the Book of Basketball 2.0 feed. Here's a quick trailer. You've heard his name, Len Bias, 1980s phenom, second pick in the NBA draft. And then, cocaine, tragedy, one of the most shocking deaths in sports history. 35 years later, Bias's legacy is still making an impact. From Spotify and the Ringer Podcast Network, this is What If, the Lynn Bias story. I'm Jordan Ritter Khan. What's up, everybody? We're back. Another week, R2C2. What's good, bro? Late night, late night recording again. Late night recording. Well, you have your initials on your sweatshirt, and I have your face on my t-shirt again. I feel like I'm wearing this shirt every every pod we do, right? man. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's crazy? I want to get this tattoo. I want to get this uh, Black uh, logo like a tattoo. Yeah, I think it's yeah. For those just uh, listening, CC is holding up his Roots of Fight sweatshirt. That has an awesome yeah, logo, logo in front. front. Yep, it's got a, a black B over in an A symbol with a number 14 in it, and below it, uh, an A for black aces, and then CC on each uh, on each side. So there's 14 black aces, C? 15. Uh, Price is the 15th. That was the 14th. So we're all numbered. Okay, gotcha. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, we have our number. Oh, so, that's, uh, so you're the 14th yeah. black ace. That's I'm why it's 14 in there. Ace. Yeah, that's well, you know, why it's 14 I, on the back. I'm glad you've informed me of this because here I am wearing that sweatshirt twice a day for, you know, three weeks. And now now I know, like, the full context of it. So thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, man. it's like, that's you great. know, you get assigned a number. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I'm number 14. Exactly. Exactly. I like that. Well, we're recording late on Wednesday night before our Thursday yep. morning release um, because... I'm, I'm watching the, the Yankee game on my phone. Yep, and I have I have it over my here. I'll show. I have it over my left shoulder there. Um, okay, and there you go. It, you know, it was funny last night. I was calling my WNBA game, which ended on an insane buzzer beater, like ridiculous buzzer beater. I don't know if you saw that highlight. The shot. I at didn't the end see of my the game. highlight. But it, it, oh my gosh, dude! This woman, Kia Nurse, took a. First of all, it was like an out of nowhere comeback where Phoenix ended the game on a 14-3 run, but it wasn't like a run that felt like this torrid stretch. It was like a slow drip run where all of a sudden you're like, slow. oh, yeah. they they went from like they definitely losing. They could win, yeah. And they should have called the timeout because they got a rebound with like five seconds left and they had two timeouts, could have advanced the ball. They didn't. Instead, Kia Nurse comes plowing up the floor, gets to half court, Euro steps, around a defender and, <laughs> and takes a running three from the logo, hits it at the buzzer to to win the game. They were down two. They won by one. It was insane. It That's was, wild. It, it That's was, insane. It was insane. But as I was as I was calling the game, I had Nets Celtics game five on the TV. I was just showing over my left shoulder. <laughs> so I have my setup for my broadcast here in front of me. And then I had that over there so that in commercial breaks, I could sneak a Yo, peek. You know what's crazy is that at the end of the game, like, Sometimes it just depends on the flow. I don't like the timeout. Yeah. Like, I like maybe just keep it, you know, like, whatever. Just depending on the flow of the game. Um, yeah. But, some, you know, some some coaches automatically call the timeout to run a set play. But I just think sometimes 
you could get a better shot with your, with your best shooter. I mean, it's going to be a longer shot, but like just in the flow of the game, I think you you have a better look, which if, if that makes sense. I agree with you. I agree with you when there's enough time, you know? Like in this case, I was literally worried about them even being able to get across half court because yeah, yeah, there just wasn't yeah. a lot of time. But I think if you have like, if you have, you know, 12 seconds left, 10 seconds left, like, and you know there's enough time to get the ball up the floor, like, I could see you not taking it. Certainly if there's more than that. I think when there's like under yeah, that, if, it's if tough. If you got like, for me, if it's like, if it's like seven to nine seconds and I got Steph and Dame out there and they get the ball in their hands, go ahead, yeah. guys. Because any any set play that we run out of a timeout is going to be a contested yeah. shot. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like those two with seven to nine seconds left, go ahead and take I, your fucking shot. I, I don't I care. I understand that. I do understand that because you may not get the ball back in their hands off an inbound, right? So if they have it already, let them run with it, which – let them By run the way, with it. so we're we're recording Wednesday night, so we can have immediate reaction to the Knicks losing to the Hawks and uh, and the games tonight, um, and uh, you know, and also set up the playoffs tomorrow. We're also going to dive into what I think you guys are all going to find super interesting. Uh, Theo Epstein had these really interesting insights into what baseball is looking to do with uh, certain rule changes, trying things out, and CC is intentionally not informed yet on these thoughts from Theo so that we can get his raw reaction to them on the pod. Uh, but see, just because you just brought him up before we react to the, to the next game, did you watch Dame Lillard last night in, man, he's, ridiculous. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, man. It's going to waste away in Portland. though. Guys. I hope it doesn't. He deserves a championship, it's man. Waste. But he's so, he's so stubborn and loyal. He's never going to leave yeah. there. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it's just going to waste away with like these performances because he had 55 uh, months on the road last night. Like he had, he had defenders on the other team, like thanking <laughs> God that he missed the shot. Like that shit was crazy. It was crazy. Like that three to four oh, second overtime oh, when he like oh, stepped back spun, and spun. Was, like it, what the fuck is that footwork even? Like I, I had to rewind it five times to make sure he didn't travel. Like the shit was crazy. He got his toes behind the line. It was... Bro, his footwork on that play is ridiculous, it's Ridiculous. Guys. It's ridiculous. You know, like, I was... So I just finished calling that buzzer beater. And so it was like, uh, I don't know, if it, I guess it was like 10.30, something like that. By the way, the first two have gotten on against Chappie here in the ninth inning. First and second, no, nobody we out. All we right. good, we good. Um, but so it's like they hit the buzzer beater, and I'm like, because of that, I have some juice. So normally, I'm in bed at that time, right? Like, you yeah. and I... We're normally in bed. We're recording right now at 10 30 at night on Wednesday. Oh, I'm, this is past I'm dead our bedtime. Right now. Yeah. Same. Way past same. my bedtime. Same, man. Same. And uh, but I was like, oh, I got some juice. Like I gotta stay up a little bit, you know? And I so I just like saw the Portland game was close. And I was like, oh, I'll put it on. Also, one of my friends, Spiro Ditas, fellow Fordham guy, was calling it, did an amazing job. And Greg Anthony sounded great with him too, who I used to work with and is great. Greg Anthony's good. He's really good. He's really good. And um so anyway, so I turn it on, dude, it, and I'm literally, I'm sitting on the edge of my couch, and Andrea, you know, six months pregnant, is in the bedroom, and, you know, we're in a, an apartment. I'm trying not to, like, wake her up as I am hysterically laughing at what Dame is doing. <laughs> I'm literally, like, I'm like, I, I literally, there was multiple moments where I fell off the couch, onto the floor, crumpled in a ball, cracking up laughing because I was just, <laughs> it was crazy, I was like, this man. is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. How about they get down nine in overtime and 
he hits three straight threes, including that ridiculous step back spinning one to tie it and send it to double overtime. Yeah, I mean, but like if you out there with him, like how do you feel? You know what I'm saying? Because it's just like you can't even contribute. You know what oh. I'm saying? It's like if somebody else can hit one fucking shot, we win the game. <laughs> like, man, is he out there by himself, guys? Like, shit is crazy, man. Man, unbelievable. It, 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 it was actually amazing, like seeing seeing how everybody else was missing every single every shot. shot. Every, every shot. shot. Like, yeah, mellow, wide open three, clank. CJ, you know, CJ hit one big three on that he ridiculous left-handed pass from Dame that cut it to one. I think it was 119, 118. Um, but other than that, CJ couldn't hit a shot. Then Covington's missing dunks. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and And here's Dame. Pulling up from 35 with a hand in his face, hitting threes. It's just ridiculous, ridiculous man. man. Ridiculous. Uh, uh, that's a good that's a good series. Yeah, that and is. A good I don't series. think it would be as good if Jamal Murray was in it, but yeah. you know, with him with him being out, it's making it's making these games close. Hey, hey I seen uh Jokic had a ridiculous pass, by oh, the way, in the game. Bro. The skip pass. Oh, when did you that, see when the that two, was the the two guys were in the double corner? overtime? Yeah. The that two was guys were in the point. corner, he yeah. told the one guy, like, what yeah. the fuck you guys doing? Move, and he literally like it was that was unbelievable. Unbelievable. Like he just flicked the shit like yeah. perfectly over the defense. Like yeah. I, I mean, I don't that shit it, was crazy. It's it, like watching a quarterback drop a dime. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it this was, shit was insane. It was ridiculous. It was a and ridiculous play. Like it had the ball in the post and like yeah. tell like directing traffic, like, <laughs> what the fuck are both of you guys doing over there? The <laughs> one guy kept and he like, it was crazy. It was that pass insane. Is insane, bro. It, it that was insane. It was insane. It was insane. If you if you guys haven't seen the highlight of it, go watch the highlight of this pass from Jokic. And I really think it was the difference in in the second overtime. It was kind of like the play that turned the momentum because Dame has scored after his ridiculous ending to the fourth, his virtuoso first overtime. He scores the first five points of the second overtime, and you're just like, this is a this is just ridiculous. Fifty five. Just ridiculous. And then Jokic makes that pass to the corner, and that three puts Denver back on top. And after that, that was it. it kind, they kind of rolled. Yeah, Dame didn't get it. I don't think Dame got one more field goal attempt. No, nah, that was it. needed to happen. You needed to find a way to get him more shots there. But he was, you know, was kind of in, like, make the right basketball play mode, and his teammates just kept missing. But, yeah. you know, but, but the right basketball play – was just him shooting from anywhere on the floor, I feel. That's what I'm about to say. Like, sometimes when you're the best player on the floor, yeah. like, and that's what LeBron don't understand. Like, sometimes the best shot is you, because mm -hmm. I don't give a fuck how many people are on you. Like, sometimes the best option is you, no matter what. Well, dude, basically none of those shots Damian Lillard took, he was open. Like, he just... No, no, yeah. He, he just created just enough space, right? But then for some reason, I mean, they drew... He started drawing doubles. They gave him a little more attention, but, like, he was giving it up then those final three minutes of the second overtime. And I'm just like, no, man, shoot every time. <laughs> shoot every time, man. Uh, so, see, the series that uh, ended... Oh, by the way, one last thing on Denver. If they had Jamal Murray, I would feel like they would be the favorites to come out of the West. I like Utah. Yeah, Utah's probably being overlooked a little bit. I like Utah. I like Utah. I like Donovan Mitchell right now. Like, him... You know, I mean, obviously he missed 17 games, but he's fresh. Mm -hmm. So, Gobert's playing good. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I would have loved to see Jamal Murray coming off of, you know, the two playoff series where, I mean, the two, you know, seasons yeah. where the first year he wasn't really good. Last year he was a little better. So, we're expecting him to come in this year and be the superstar that he is. 
So it would have been fun to see that. But, you know, I, I really think Utah is going to be the team to come out of the West. It really it, it ain't going to matter because whoever wins this Bucks and Nets series is going to win the fucking championship anyway. You feel confident about that? Whoever wins this, this Bucks, Bucks Nets, Nets, yeah. Yeah, whoever yeah. wins that wins the championship, guys, period. But and, and I think if the Nets stay healthy, they win that in six. All right. You think the Nets win the series in six? If I, they stay healthy. If they stay healthy. I, I believe, you know, I, I think if everybody stays healthy, I do think the winner of Bucks Nets will go on to win the finals as well. I, I, you know, Utah's a really good team, though, like you said, and like Quinn Snyder's a great coach. Mitchell playing like a superstar. You have the inside outside. You have the shooters. You have enough two way guys. You got Jordan Clarkson who yeah. can light it up. You know what I'm saying? He right. Can, you have he can the give bench, you some points you off the, the bench. Yeah. Like I could see Utah. Like I could see us thinking that about Milwaukee and Brooklyn, and then Utah winning a seven game series and being like the 04 Pistons type team. You know where you're yeah. like, yeah. you're like, oh shoot, what happened there? You know, like and and it's just like no, they're like the exception that proves the rule type team, but. But I, I do agree with you overall. If I had to say, yes, I think it'll be the Bucks or the Nets, assuming they're healthy. Um, I, the, you know, we're, we're recording right after the Knicks lost their series to the Hawks. Mm-hmm. And I picked I, the Knicks to win that series. And that's the only series we differed on. And I picked the Hawks. So, you know, let me just, let me do this. Let me get, let me, let me get, <laughs> get the little pat on the back there. You called it, though. I mean, they had the better roster. That's what and, it was. You know, it ended up being Derrick Rose ended up being the best player on the Knicks in the playoffs. Yes. And, and, Which you know, is a problem for them. That's, that's a problem for them. He, you know, he can be your second or third option, but I think they needed Randall to be, you know, a super, superstar to win that series. And that, that was maybe a little too much to ask for him in his first playoff series as a feature guy. Yeah. It, it, I think you just nailed it. And, and the reason I felt so strongly about it, I watched Atlanta a good amount this year. They're really talented. And by the way, they're still missing Cam Reddish, who's another good piece for their team. You know, he's Is injured. he? I haven't seen him he, play a lot. He's not great. He's not great. But he's another, like, bench guy who you feel, or, or like a, if not a bench guy, yeah, rotational you know, like, guy who you feel good about, you know? After Duke and then, you know, I never really, uh, he got drafted. And yeah. I never, I never really see, I never, we, never he, seen him. Cause he's not a star, you know, he's, he's, and, and I don't think he has the ceiling of, you know, his fellow teammate in that class, uh, Barrett, but he's averaged double digits his first two years in the league. And he's another one of these long, you know, guys who you, you know, could think of as a two-way player and developing into, like, a really nice rotational piece. So so my point just being, like, Atlanta's talented, man. They're, yeah. They are a talented team. Bogdanovich, you know, other Bogdanovich, is a really, really good player. You Trey think, Young's a uh, stud. Capella is think, great. You think that they give the 76ers a run without uh, Embiid, without, you know, with Embiid having this knee problem? I, I do. I do. It, you know, we'll see if Embiid's going to play every game. You know, I think Philly probably wins a six-game series. But Atlanta's going to push Philly more than people would have thought. One, because Atlanta is talented. You know, look, they just totally, I mean, they dominated the Knicks. They didn't just, yeah. you know, they didn't just win a close series. No, no, no. They, 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 dominated, they, they, dominated, they dominated them. The last three games, yeah. they, they totally destroyed the Knicks. You know, they're a talented team. And I, I th- you know what, dude? Yeah, I think I, Philly will win the series, I think, as long as Embiid's playing. But I bet you it's a much more competitive series than would have originally projected. The thing about a torn meniscus, right? You know, I played on those a, a bunch. Oh yeah, so tell us, yeah. It 
you it's hard to move laterally. You can move, you can go forward and back. It's hard to stop. So if he's running full speed up the court, it's gonna be hard for him to like, like stop on a dime. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like that shit's gonna hurt like a motherfucker. And anytime you just move laterally, like really quick, it's gonna it's gonna hurt. So that's gonna be a problem, just him figuring out the speed that he can play at. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not gonna he he, he can play, but he's just gotta figure out what the speed is where it's not gonna get that sharp pain. So do you think like with just knowing that they're listing it at day to day, but it is a partial tear and having dealt with it yourself, do you look at it and think that there's a chance he is able to play? Just first of all, let me ask you, do you think he could play in every game in a series with uh, that injury? He can, play in, he can play in every game in this series and he could not play in a game or two in this series. Yeah. He could, he could play a game one and not feel good enough to play in game two or three, and then come back in game four. Gotcha. You know what I'm saying? Or he could feel good enough to, to get out there and be at 60 or 70% for all six or seven games, whatever it's going to go. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's just, he's just got to, he literally just has to find the, the rhythm and the speed that he can play at because the shit is going to swell up on you. It feels uncomfortable. It's a nasty feeling. And you just get sharp pains every now and again. But you can deal with it if you can if you have a high pain threshold and if you are motivated to play. Yeah. Yeah, got you. It's interesting because he's done that in the playoffs before, right? Where he's he's missed games in a series. And so yeah. you wonder almost like if he if they win game one and he's well, feeling pain, him. do you re yeah, do you try and like I mean you can't really Because it's gonna blow up on him, cause like yeah. after game one, it's gonna be swollen as fuck. And now it's just going to be managing getting the swelling out of there so you can move it around. You know what I'm saying? It's so a, it's just, it's, it's, it's a shame, be, man. It's a shame yeah, because he was sucks. playing so well. He was yeah. playing so well. And, you know, assuming Philadelphia does get past Atlanta, you want a healthy Embiid against Giannis or you want a healthy Embiid against the Nets. You know, the like, Nets, you, yeah. you, you want to see that. You want to. You you want to see that Philly at their best and see okay what can Embiid and Simmons do here, um, but so so if he's you know if he's on the floor, see you think he could be effective? Like you think he could still be dominant with that injury? I, I think he I think he could be. I mean, like I said, it's just gonna have to depend on like the swelling yeah. and how uncomfortable it really is for him. Um, and how much mobility that he loses. You know what I'm saying? Is there risk um, for further injury when you have something like that? Do you no, remember? No, I mean, okay. if, it's, if it's torn, it's torn. You got to get it fixed. You know okay. what I'm saying? He's going to have to have like a surgery for... You can tear it a little more, but yeah. it's not... You know what I'm saying? Like, it's... Yeah. It's, once it's torn, it's, you fucked. Yeah. Like, you're going to have to have surgery. So, like... But but guys in the NFL tear their meniscus. I've seen guys in the NFL tear their meniscus and have a bye week, and then yeah. come back and play the next week. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah. So it just depends on, like, you know, I've had the surgery where I've had the and I've had the surgery, and then three days later, I'm walking. Wow, And I've okay. had the surgery where, you know, three weeks later, I'm still on crutches. Yeah. Do it, Chappie. I told you we was all right. Yeah, you said Chappie was going to get out of it. Chappie got out of it. <laughs> Chappie got out of it. So that's go. what I'm saying. It just depends. The the the, the meniscus and the knee, is, it's, just, it's just a little iffy thing. So it just depends on, you know, if what he's dealing with, the swelling and all of that stuff. But it could be a minor thing where he could go out and dominate and, and it won't affect his play. Or it could be a fucking major thing where he goes out there in game one and we don't see him again for the rest of the series. Yeah, that's, you know what? 
I I hope the one one thing I hate, and I feel this way about going up against teams too, like my team. I want the other team at their best. I want them at their healthiest. Like I want to see the best in the world on the biggest stage with the chips on the line. I hope Embiid's able to play, man, because he yeah. was. But I do think because of this, Atlanta becomes more of a legitimate threat to actually go to the conference finals, partly because of the Embiid injury, of course, that's massive. And then partly because of how well Atlanta is playing. I mean, you know, just to, to put a bow on that series, see, in the NBA playoffs, very, very, very rarely does the team that has more talent lose in a series. It just rarely happens. You know, we brought up, you know, the 04 Pistons as an example against a, a stacked, talented Laker team. The oh, that was an old ass Laker team. It was old. It was old. But I'm saying you still had Shaq and Kobe. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, but that Pistons team had 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 really good players that all played their roles perfectly and they just fit perfectly, you know? And my problem with, or the reason I, I felt confident the Hawks would win is, you know, the Knicks, what they did this year was incredible. It was incredible. But there's also a limit to what you can do when you have a lack of talent. And 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 the Knicks just didn't have enough talent to go on any kind of playoff run. And so that's what this. you saw. Let me ask you this. So now that, you know, the Knicks have kind of built up the culture, right? We know that yeah. Leon and Wes have built up the culture. The Garden's back. Atmosphere's great. Do you give Randall to Max? Or do, or, or do you do, like what the Nets did with D'Angelo Russell when they built up the culture and all that stuff, and then they had it where they wanted to get it to, and then they went out and got free agents. They went out and got Kyrie and KD, and then they traded um, D'Angelo. Like, what, what would you do in this situation? Would you give Randall to Max and try to build around him? You know, at his advanced age, I mean, obviously, you know, he's most improved player. He had a fantastic year. Huge, you know, he got, he was a four seed in the East. Um, what you got on that? I think your analogy is perfect. It's exactly it's exactly what it reminded me of, man. And I watched D'Angelo Russell, who was incredible for the Nets that season, who and who I believe the Brooklyn Nets owe an enormous debt of gratitude to to this day. Because if he doesn't have the season he had, the Nets don't become attractive enough to entice Kyrie and KD to come. And Julius Randle did what. Russell did for the Nets. He did that for the Knicks and then some this year because Randall had an even better year than Russell had. But what just happened to Randall is also what we saw happen to Russell. And you watch Russell in what ended up a five-game series loss to the Sixers in the playoffs in the first round, and you just realize, like, he's a really good player, but he's not going to be a needle mover during the playoffs, right? And that's the way I look at Randall. Julius Randall's a really good player. I think on a team that has a legitimate shot to win a championship, he's probably your third best player at best. You know, and that's not a knock to him. That's just how ridiculous the super superstars are yeah. at the top level in this league, right? Oh, like yes. you, you watch you watch a D'Angelo Russell or you watch a Julius Randall, there's great appreciation for them. And those guys have affected wins and losses on teams that have gone to the playoffs in the regular season. That's not insignificant in the NBA because there are some guys who just get numbers and don't affect wins and losses. D'Angelo Russell affected wins and losses with the Brooklyn Nets. 
Julius Randle just did that with the New York Knicks to lead their teams to the playoffs. But then there's another tier. And the other tier is, can you affect wins and losses and carry your team in the playoffs? And that's a different, that's a different level. And not everybody's at that level. And I think Julius Randle, you know, maybe he'll get there because this was a huge step this year and he just wasn't ready for that yet. Maybe Russell will get there, but I don't think you can rely on that. I think if you're the Knicks, you have to understand that your two best players, if you're going to be on a champion, have a championship team, are not on your roster currently. You know, and I think you have to look at what this group did as improving your culture and making this place attractive enough to draw in your two best players. And you have to understand that that's the role this group plays. And maybe some of them stay, right? Maybe Randall stays in a support role. Maybe maybe Barrett stays in a support role. Maybe, I actually, I like Obi Toppin. I think he could be a nice piece. I like him more than quickly, actually. Maybe he stays in some kind oh, of a no, support role. Oh, no, you're crazy. I, I think Obi Toppin's going to be a better pro than quickly. No, then Emmanuel quickly? Yeah. No chance. Let's make that bet right now. I'll bet you that right now. Emmanuel okay. quickly's a beast, guys. I'll bet you that right now. Mm. I'm telling you. I Watch, think Knicks fans are a little good. high on him. All right. No, nah, right, that wait. kid's going to be good. Watch. All right. All right. Uh, we'll, we'll have to figure out what I our see, bet I've, is on I've that. seen that kid play live, live one time, and I was like, oh, he's he's legit. It, he's legit. You know what? I'm going to say top, it'll be the better pro. But but my, right. my, my, my overall point, see, is if you're the Knicks, all of these guys have to be disposable if they're the price you pay to get the guys who will be your top two players on your team. Yeah. And, you know, Barrett, maybe Bar- Barrett's young. We'll see what he develops in. But I just, I, if you're the Knicks, you cannot look at Barrett and Randall and say, yes, this is our championship core. You know, you have to instead look at them and say, hey, what they did legitimized us again and, and made us attractive again. And now how can we use that and build on it and get those pieces that actually then can take us to the next level in the playoffs? And you know what? It's not easy to do. I'm not saying there's the definite pieces out there, but I think that's how you have to look at it mentally if you're the Knicks and you're trying to build off of what what was a really great year, a great season, and then a sobering playoff series. Yeah. But, I, I mean, I hope they just don't make the emotional decision and, and, you know, try to build around those guys, you know, after you just explained it so perfectly. You know what I mean? Um, you know, we just have to wait and see what happens. You know what's crazy is talking about, you know, affecting wins and losses in the playoffs and, you know, those type of guys in that tier. I feel like Jimmy Butler gets put on that top tier. Mm-hmm. He's, he's on that tier with with Randall and 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 D'Angelo Russell and those guys. I don't feel like Jimmy Jimmy Butler gets credit for being a top tier guy that can carry his team in the playoffs, which he did in the bubble last year, but it was in the bubble. But like I don't I don't feel like he's that guy. So you don't what he did in the bubble isn't enough to, to, enough to make me. you put him in that category. Mm-mm. And I think people always put him in that category because he is a tough guy and he can't lead a team. I don't think he can lead a team to a championship, though. Well, I mean, what's crazy to think about is a couple of years ago, you had Butler, Tobias, uh, Embiid, Simmons, and Redick. And Redick. And, uh, all on that team. And that team, that team did not go to the conference finals. That's crazy to think about. Like that is, that's nuts that that team didn't even make it to the conference finals. Like when you saw what Butler did in the bubble last year, you know, I, I'm going to, I'm going to give Jimmy a level of respect that puts him above the, 
the Russell and the Randall because he's had multiple playoff teams, right? But I understand what you're saying in that, like, you know, he has, he hasn't, He's had some other opportunities that have left a little to be desire in the playoffs. Is that what you're... Okay, him and Paul George are on the same level. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Whatever tier that is, him and Paul George sit in that tier together. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Where it's like they would need a significant running mate to get it done. Yes. Yeah, no, I I think that's totally fair. I think that's totally fair. And and, uh, Paul George has a significant running mate right now, and he's fucking struggling to get it done. Man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. How about this? See, so we're recording as game five is going on between the Clippers and the Mavericks. Uh, Dallas has a three-point lead in the second quarter. I, You know, I actually think the Clippers falling behind in the series the way that they did losing two at home is going to end up being the best thing for them. For the playoff run? Yeah, harden them a little bit. You know, give them some like, hey, we were challenged. We were tested. We came through it. Like you know, give it, give them some some of that like I wear hope and so. tear. I hope so, because I I feel like if if this year doesn't work out, then you already got to blow that shit up. You think so? Yeah, I think I feel like if this year don't work out, then I feel like Kawhi might be out of here. <laughs> the only thing is, it sounds like he really likes living there. You yeah, know, I so, mean, from there. So yeah, but I'm just saying, basketball wise, he don't put up with that bullshit. You know what I'm saying? Like. Yeah, I feel like he might bounce on them, man. Like if if this shit ain't working out and they don't, you know, if they don't make a deep run this year, and and you know, I think the Suns are better than them. You know, Denver's better than them. Well, I, I do the breaking news sounder, but we don't have that feature on this program. I, I do want to let you know you're about to experience a change in audio when it comes to Karsten Charles Sabathia's audio. This happens to each of us. I'd say we alternate. Like every eight weeks, one of us um, forgets to press a button or runs out of room on our memory card. And, and what it means is we just go from that crispy audio with our local recorder to Zoom audio recording. So if when you hear the difference, that's what it is. All right, podcast continues. This is what's crazy, right? So the Lakers are going to face elimination Thursday night. Our audience is listening to this. Well, I mean, as I say every time, they could be listening to it whenever they want. The podcast live up there for eternity, but for the, <laughs> their first chance is Thursday morning. The Lakers, if the Lakers get eliminated, see, Phoenix Phoenix has a legitimate shot to go to the finals. They, I mean, the Phoenix Suns could go to the NBA finals. I mean, if, the, if they beat the Lakers, anybody in the West can go to the finals. You know what I'm saying? That's what's, like, that's what's kind of fun about it. It's anybody. It's yeah. fucking, it's literally wide open if, if Phoenix wins on Thursday. Yeah. Then, that, then the West is wide open. That's what's fun about it. And it hasn't you know? been in the, in the longest time. You know what I'm saying? Like the West no. has been locked down by the Warriors, the Lakers, whoever else, even the Clippers. You know what I'm saying? Being a really good team with, you know, when they had CP3 and all those guys. So it's it's just fun to be able to see the West with some different names, um, be, able to ch- be able to have a chance to go to the final. If AD comes back and plays in this game and it's still not determined and the Lakers end up winning this series against the Suns, will they be your favorite to go to the finals out of the West? The Lakers? If they, if no. they find a way to beat the Suns here. I, I, still think, I still think it's Utah. Yeah? Yeah. You know what? I... 
I'm glad you're giving Utah their proper due because it is a little silly how easily we overlook them, I think. I mean, I just after watching them play the last couple of nights and, yeah. and watching, you know, Jordan Clarkson, the way he plays, like the like the confidence that he shoots the ball with and plays and goes to the hole, like he's a legitimate scorer for them. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know what the fuck I've been watching or or what I've been <laughs> thinking, but that kid can really hoop, man. Like, yeah. so like I'm I'm on I'm on the Utah train and and I don't know if is AD playing on Thursday. Like it's up, it's up in the air. Uh, as of you know, 11 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday man, night, it's up in the air. LeBron got a man. He, this shit is, yeah, it's hard, man. But it's also, frustrating, it's, man. It's it, frustrating for me to watch him go. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know, I know. Yeah, it, it's it's also strange that Montrez Harrell is getting no run. What? It's weird, man. Yeah, I, I seen, know they I have Stephen Jackson talking about this earlier. It's just because, you know, they didn't give him no minutes early in the season because they were riding AD. So now he don't have no confidence. Like, he ain't played all year. Mm-hmm. And he was sixth man of the year last year coming off the bench playing great for the Clippers. And now he went to the Lakers and literally does not play. So, yeah. and now when you need him, you want him to show up in, in game five. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. It's just one of those things where, like, you should have been given the minutes all year and then he would have been ready to play right now. Man, it, it is, uh, it's crazy to think about what a key piece he was for the Clippers as right? part of their finishing five. And now he's, you know, he didn't play in multiple games in this series. Now they, they need more out of him, like you said, see, presumably with, with AD's injury, and they can't, you know, they they can't get it from him because he's not comfortable, he doesn't have the rhythm, whatever it is. But it's odd to see because he's a guy who, like, we looked at the Lakers getting Harrell in the offseason and Schroeder. Like, oh, that's a great well, move. Yeah, well, we were like, the rich just got richer. How are you going to beat him? You know, uh, and now it's like they might not get out of the first round. I do also think we have to mention the the bounce back from the bubble. You know, I mean, this was a quick turnaround for these teams as well, like the Lakers. You know, we saw the Heat, you know, go out in, you know, basically just wilt out of the first round. Now we're seeing the Lakers maybe, who are also banged up, maybe get knocked down the first round. Like, I I do think the quick turnaround from going all the way last year probably plays a role. You did. I I told you, it's too fast. It's too quick of a turnaround. Um for those teams that went deep into the playoffs. Um, and now, like, I mean, yeah, like you just named, all those teams are either out of the playoffs or about to get bounced in the first round. Um, and all the teams that are looking really good, you know, the, the Nets got bounced in the first round. You know what I'm saying? Those teams yeah. didn't make the bubble or got bounced in the first round. Last so, see, before we move on to the Theo Epstein uh, comments that I wanted to throw at you to let you react to for the first time, in the East, we have the series set. Mm-hmm. Sixers, Hawks, Nets, Bucks. What's your official predictions for those series? Sixers, Hawks. I'm gonna go Sixers. Um, How many games? Sixers in six games. Okay. And then uh, I'm gonna go Nets in. I'm gonna go Sixers and I'm gonna go Sixers in five. I'm gonna go Nets in six. I'm gonna go. I think Nets, Bucks is gonna be an epic series. I really do. I I'm gonna go. Sixers and six. That assumes that Embiid's going to be able to play some in the series, you know, even if he's limited somewhat. Because uh, the Sixers just looked incredible um, coming out of the gates before Embiid went down. I had their game three, and they just looked unbelievable. Uh, and then I'm going to go Nets and seven. Ooh, so I'll take. Yeah, I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be a crazy back and forth series. Like I, I also say that knowing like 
like there's a chance that it could be a five game series with a bunch of really close games, right? But I'm gonna say Nets in seven, and that we get an epic second round series with with a Giannis is just so locked in right now, and that team can defend. So I, f- I feel like I feel like you overhyping them right now, just because like you're a Nets fan, so you want like <laughs> I, f- I feel like you use the reverse. Like, I'm, I'm nervous. Not, yeah, you I'm are. Nervous. I'm not falling yeah. for that shit, bro. They're uh, gonna beat the shit out of the Bucks, bro. Are, are you gonna you gonna be you gonna be at some of these games? You think I'm gonna try to? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's that's the goal. Yeah, I want to go. I want to go down to Philly too. I want to go. I want to go to a Sixers game. Oh, that'd um, be cool too. Go with yeah. Booney. He's a big Sixers fan. Well, Booney's he's got, got a, he's got a job. He's got so. something going on right now. He's got, he's oh, got yeah. shit going on. He might be a little. Maybe a little stressed out right now, so oh I'll, I'll let him watch on TV. But so, I go with Ron Berkowitz. <laughs> okay, yeah, fair enough. He's a big Sixers fan as well. Shout out to yeah. Ron, our good buddy. Um, so, all right, see. Now, the other day, the head of The Ringer, uh, the, you know, the outstanding company who uh, we work for with our podcast, The Ringer and Spotify, um, Bill Simmons sent us a really interesting I thought graphic that was from MLB Network, where you were working last night. Incidentally, yes, my, um, one of my jobs. One of your jobs, man. You got a lot of jobs right now. See yeah. how you holding up, man. It's crazy, man. Yeah, I'm like, uh, like you remember a living color, uh, the Jamaican family. I got, I got 17 jobs, man. I got, I got fucking so many jobs every <laughs> every day because I'm doing something different. But no, nah, uh, last night was fun. That was, I mean, I, that's not work. Like, that, yeah, you know, being able to go and talk about the game and, you know, see why it's super close. And I know known case for years, and, you know, Steven Nelson's fun. So I'm just glad that the network is, is having fun with it and letting us do this thing. Yeah, that's, it's cool. And how often are you doing it on MLB network? We're, we've been doing it once a month. We've been trying to identify okay. games that, you know, we think would be fun to do. And, you know, we just thought like having the, the Bay connection last night and 40 yeah. came on, like it was, it was good. It, it made for a good broadcast. And so, uh, has the network talked to you yet about going on Chris Russo's show to, to mend fences after he was included in your Tony LaRusso rant? <laughs> Never gonna happen. Uh, you know, you know, like growing up in this area, I was obsessed with Chris Russo, Absolutely. Mad Dog. Yeah. I love Mad Dog. Yes, I love him. So you know, I I, I hope you get to go on his show at some point. Um, so I. Uh, this graphic is really, really incredible. And it just is like sort of the basis and the jumping off point for just what we're going to throw to you from the Theo Epstein article. So Bill Simmons sent us this graphic, which is career statistics versus 2021 MLB averages. And it's Dave Kingman versus the average hitter this year in Major League Baseball. Okay. Now, see, you're 40, I'm 34. For me, like I didn't, I didn't watch Dave Kingman, but you know, I always heard about Dave Kingman from my dad and others about like, yeah, an all or nothing type guy, right? Like, oh, he's another Dave Kingman, you know, home run, strikeout, that's you know, all or nothing type dude, right? That's how you knew Kingman as well, absolutely, all, all or nothing. He was like the poster child for the all or nothing hitter. Dave Kingman's average, two thirty six. Current Major League Baseball average, two thirty seven. Dave Kingman's strikeout percentage. This guy who was seen as is like, hey, you don't want to be like that with the strikeouts. Mm-hmm. 24.4%. The average major league hitter right now, 24.1%. Walk percentage for Kingman, 
the average major leaguer, 8.9%. And then TTO percentage, which is the percentage of plate appearances that result in the three true outcomes, which are either a home run, a walk, or a strikeout. For Kingman, it was 38.6% of the time. The average major league hitter right now is 36.1% of the time. And the crazy thing about this, right, is that the average major league hitter has morphed into the poster child of an all-or-nothing hitter. Yeah. And those numbers just really struck me. Like, we've, we sort of have sensed this happening. But those numbers really connected. And, I mean, see, before I, I get into the Theo things to throw to you, when you saw the graphic Bill sent with this, what was your reaction, man? I mean, it's not surprising, obviously, you know, because I've played and watched this evolve into what it's, it's evolved into. I mean, ten, this is 10 years ago. Um, you know, I'm playing with Grady Sizemore. This is maybe 15 years ago now. Shit. Playing with Grady Sizemore, and and uh, he shook out a lot. And I remember the Indians coming down. I remember it was like a problem, like, in, you know, in the in the clubhouse and everything, like amongst players. We're like, damn, he's like, he's great. He does everything, but he strikes out too much. And I remember they came down, and they were like, nah, don't worry about striking out. And, and it was the first time we all heard that. And they were like, nah, don't worry. Striking out is just like, just like another out. It's just like an out, just like grounding out. It's just like it's an out, an out's an out. Mm-hmm. And and he was the first guy I remember that they let him stay in his approach. Didn't give a fuck about striking out. With two strikes, he's taking these big ass hacks, and like there was new no two 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 strike approach. And every guy is just kind of morphed into that now, where every they want every guy to be a three, four, five hitter. So there's no balance in the lineup. Your leadoff hitter now. Can he, is either just going to walk or hit home. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. there's no, no real contact, man. And, but that, but, you know, I, I've, so it's not surprising to me because I've, I've literally watched what this turned into. And it's like, it's easy, it's easier to pitch in the big leagues now. Um, yeah. and, and the only reason I was able to, to pitch with my diminished shit at my older, as my older age is because the game had turned into what it turned into. I was mm-hmm. able to, to throw under, you know, under the average, speed of what it was at 95, 94 miles an hour now and just move the ball around the plate and get soft contact because guys are just trying to go deep. You know what I'm saying? So it was actually easier to pitch later in my career because of the way the guys approached hitting, you know, going up to the plate. That's so interesting. And and I think leads us perfectly into this article. So Theo Epstein did an interview with um, Bob Nightingale in USA Today. And Theo is part of a group from Major League Baseball. I believe there's 10 or 11 other executives with him who are pursuing different ways to bring action back into the game. And I want to read a couple quotes from Theo and then throw out some of the stats and then some of the specific ideas, see, if that's cool, all right? So Theo said, I think there's a misconception that Major League Baseball has an interest in trying to completely change the game and reinvent the wheel. And that's not the case. We just want to nudge the game back into a better balance. The game is constantly changing. And I think for the last 10 years, it's been moving in a direction that nobody would choose on their own if they were starting from scratch. I don't think anyone would sit down and say, hey, we really want to have a 25% or 30% strikeout rate. It's just recognizing that the game's changing a little bit. It's important for everyone who cares about the game just to have a discussion 
that can be thoughtful and intentional about steering in the direction that's good for everybody, particularly the fans. So if the game's going to be evolving, how can we put up some guideposts to make sure it changes in a way that's the best possible version of baseball, action-packed, and the most entertaining version of the game for fans and players alike? So here's some of the stats, see. The league-wide batting average of 237 through this past Friday tied for the lowest since World War II. 18.04 strikeouts per game has doubled in the past 40 years. The average time between pitches is 23 seconds. The average time in between hits now is 12 minutes. Ridiculous. And the, and according to G. Scott Thomas's research, yep. And the average time in between a ball even put in play is three minutes and 51 seconds. And Theo's, another quote off that was, we need to readjust the balance between batters and pitchers to create more opportunities for players to show their athleticism and for fans to get entertainment value again. The experimental rule changes are an attempt to put the game back in the hand of the players. And so there are different rules that they're thinking of, you know, putting into place, see. And, and I think the first thing I just want to establish, and I don't know if you feel this way, is, you know, I've been resistant at times to people who say like, oh, baseball needs to change, whatever, you know, like, because I love the game, you know, you, you know, this is the sport we love. But, but seeing this now with the lack of contact, I definitively know that something has to be done to create more contact in the game. I, I was never one that said that baseball needed, didn't need to change. Every fucking sport changes, except for ours. That's why we fucking in the spot we are now. And that's the problem with baseball is that with a lot of old motherfuckers that just think that the game needs to stay the way the game was in the fit. Man, get the fuck out of here. Every game evolves and changes. The rules change all the time, except for in our slow ass game. That's why nobody watched this shit, man. It's crazy. And it mm. sucks. And, and, and I just hate the mentality of that. Like, oh, we don't need to change it. We need to change the game. Shit needs to change. So I, I could not agree more. And I think you're at a crossroads where it has to happen now. And, and see, he, so here, here, here's one thing they're going to do. The first thing, okay, is MLB plans to limit teams to 13-man pitching staffs next year with hopes of further reducing it in future years. The strategy is simple. I'm reading from USA Today here, just to give credit. If you have fewer pitchers, you'll need starters to go deeper into games. And if you pitch into the seventh and eighth innings, you're not going to be throwing as hard as you possibly can, knowing that five-inning stints by starters can devastate a pitching staff. How about this stat? We've gone from 5.34 pitchers per game in 1981 to an average of 8.66 pitchers a game, an increase of 62% since 1981. And Epstein's quote on that was, the job evolved from trying to go into the seventh, eighth, ninth innings to missing as many bats as you can for five innings. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy because now teams are completely changing their pitching development. Instead of developing starters that can go through a lineup three or four times, you're developing pitchers who just throw as hard as possible with this crazy spin rate to miss bats. You can almost rename pitching to bat missing. Everybody's a long reliever, and that's why I always try to tell you. Like, nobody's a starter. The teams that have starters are the teams that are good. We have start, we have, we got, we have Garrett Cole. We have all these other guys that are actually starters. The Rays don't really have starters, guys. Like mm -hmm. they have um, what's the kid? Glass now. 
But the rest of their staff is really like they're all kind of long relievers where they go three, four innings at a time. Like you said, high spin rate, miss as many bats as you can, and then we'll get the next motherfucker in here. And you just keep doing that, and then we'll run the next motherfucker up. Like, we'll, once we once we break you, then we'll run the next motherfucker up in here to do the same thing. So it's no, it's, there is no develop, develop, developing of pitchers at all. It's just mm-hmm. long relievers and guys that can throw as hard as they can and, 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 you know, throw your best pitch as many times as you can. And then once, once you can't do it anymore, then we're going to go get the next guy to throw his best pitch for three or four innings. And that's just, it's, yeah. So, so do you, do you like, you don't like that though? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like the limiting the, 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 the roster spots or the, or the pitching. Um, like for me, it it, it ain't going to make a difference. You know, that's not going to, that's not going to make a difference right away. Like, you know, we need, we need stuff that's going to eventually like, that's five, six years. Okay. You know what I'm to, to to change the philosophy um, of 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 Major League Baseball on, on pitching and get it back to where you got guys going deeper in the game. I would love to see me and I, me. I would love to see them fucking do the strike zone, bro. You got these guys throwing so hard, harder than ever before with this crazy spin rates, and you're giving you know five six inches off the plate, up and down and in and out. Like make the strike zone to where these guys consistently know what it is. And you'll get more action. You'll get you'll get guys hitting higher for average. And that is one of the things they talk about is the automated uh, strike zone, which is coming. I think Theo said within three years that is coming, that. and that, that and that's one of the things. But I don't know if it can be the only thing. You know, no, it, it, no, it's not the only thing. Yeah, I well, just don't think limiting the amount of pitchers. I think you you get you get guys hurt. So he okay. So here's. Here's another he, here's a here's another thing. And Theo, it, it, you know, without going to every detail of the article, he does a great job of talking about the unintended consequences of all this, right? And how once you have guys thrown for more velocity, just trying to miss bats, now all of a sudden the offensive strategy changes, which is what you were just talking about before. See, where guys, because it's so hard, it's like okay, I have such limited opportunities to have success. I need to just try and basically hit home runs because. That's the only way I'm going to be able to score because these pitchers are so good. And this is also, by the way, why Major League Baseball right now is trying to crack down on the substances because of the way it's affecting spin rates and trying to you know, not give the pitchers any more of an advantage. So another thing they're doing is they are in the Atlantic League right now. They're experimenting with moving back the mound. And the reason being... So just to give an example of what's happened with the mound, see? Um, so in 1893, the mound moves from 50 feet to 60 feet, 6 inches, right? The ERA goes from, it soars to 533 on average. The batting average was 309. There were four players who were at 400 or better. In 1969, following the year of the pitcher with seven teams hitting 230 or lower, three teams averaging 2.9 runs or less, and Bob Gibson, Gibson's 1-1-2 ERA, they lower the mound from 15 inches to 10 inches, and they shrunk the strike zone. The result? Instant offense. 8.14 runs scored a game after 6.84 in 1968. So Epstein said those things allowed hitters to put the game back into better balance between pitchers and hitters. I think it's a simple way to think about what needs to happen over the next five years or so, rebalancing the pitcher-hitter relationship. So the Atlantic League, beginning this week, is moving the mound back a foot. And there's what Epstein said about that. I understand that the 60 feet, six inches thing has been around for over a century, but here's one way to look at it. 
isn't it worth running an experiment for half a season in the Atlantic League to find if that might be the answer? That pitching is so good right now that we've outgrown 60 feet, six inches by a foot. And if it is and can be done safely, maybe we don't have to change six other things. I think it's important that we find out. If it doesn't work, you can move on. No one will ever talk about moving the mound back again. But I think it's important to find out. What do you think about that, C, about moving the mound back a foot and seeing if that creates more action, more batted balls? I'm not mad at it. I mean, just to see if it creates a little more action. Um, yeah, I mean, we have to see. You know, that that could that could be the one thing, you know, where it's not the strike zone and it is just moving the the, the mound back. Sounds crazy as fuck to move the mound back. Like, I mean, you know, but the, the velocity is out of control right now. You know, guys are throwing harder than ever. I mean, and, and I think if you did move the mound back, it, it would, you'd have to put the control back in the pitches. Mm-hmm. You know, guys are, you know, see Pilar get hit in the face with 100 miles an hour and, you know, guys getting hit up high and all those different things. These guys don't know where the fucking ball's going. They don't know how to pitch, guys. They just yeah. throw the ball as hard as they can. You know what I'm saying? Like, they actually don't know how to pitch. So if you had to move the mound back and they lost a little velocity, you would have to learn how to fucking move the ball in and out, pitching different quadrants and shit. So it may, it might help. It's funny. Theo had a quote in this about pitching has become more of a science, less of an art. It used to be more of an art. Feels like what you're describing would make it more of an art again, you know? Um, then just two more quick ones for you, see. Uh One other thing Theo uh, brought up was the analytics, which he obviously knows he is you know, partly responsible for what's happened, but pace of play. And he said, you know, it'd be great if they were used more for pregame preparation, but not as much in-game. We want to improve the pace of play, but what slows down the pace is the synthesis of a ton of information that's in the game now. If you can limit the analytical stuff to pregame and let the players use their instincts and their intelligence to position themselves, it would lead to a faster pace of play it also puts a premium on players' instincts and intelligence. We have players who are more athletic now than we've had in the history of the game. It'd be great if we could find more opportunities for them to show their athleticism. Fans don't want to see players look robotic. What do you think about that, trying to eliminate some of that in-game? That shit sounds good, Theo, but if you had a fucking team, you would want your team to have all the information. <laughs> now that you sit on the other side and doing all that shit, that he started all that bullshit. Now you want it to be out of the game during the game? Get the fuck out of here. But what? Know. But do you think it could the help? No, it wouldn't. The information is available. The guys want it. The iPads in the dugout and all that shit. No, that don't. That don't make. Well, it what about eliminating the iPads in the dugout? I don't. Then the guys just gonna go downstairs and look at the fucking video. Like, all right. Nah. So, you, guys, so you want? Uh, so you guys, don't think that's gonna change the pace? Nah, guys need that shit. Okay, with the with the robo umps, they're into that because then they feel for you me know, the robo umps, bro. Just having guys know what the strike zone is. Yeah, it's a strike every day. Yeah, it's go- guys like I'm telling you, somebody's gonna hit 400. I'm telling you. Yeah, yeah, because because they'll know and they'll you be able know to adjust. What that. it is? Yeah. Do, do you think that would be enough to get them away though from the uppercut swing? Thinking they have to in order to be a productive player, they got to hit homers. Like you know, the contact hitters dying in the game. Right? There's no contact right. hitters. There's only three in the fucking game. Right, Nick that's what I'm fucking David Fletcher and DJ LeMahieu. Everybody yeah. else is fucking trying to be Aaron Judge. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? Think, just think about it from a standpoint of like when you play Little League, right? Or if anybody listening is getting their kid into the game. Even like my nephew right now, he's almost five. He's playing T-ball. And he's like upset when he doesn't get balls hit to him. You know, he's like, oh, that was boring. 
Right. Of course, when you when you're starting baseball, you want to get balls hit to you. That's what makes it fun. Is is you know getting up at bat and then getting balls hit to you in the field. Like, how fun is it to watch a game where they're you're not getting to see these guys defend and show their athleticism and run? You know, it's not fun to just watch strikeouts, walks, and homers. It's not. We it's need really we need the action. Like the game, uh, the game is at a place where it needs the action and. And uh, you know, moving the mound they, back, moving the mound back is the best suggestion out of all of them. Do you think that might be the one that fixes it? Yeah, I think moving the mound back and Robo Unks, you get instant offense. Instant they got to, they got to try it. See, they got to try it. It's, it's, uh, it, it needs to be done. I, you know, uh, and, and see, do they, do they ever talk to you about that kind of stuff as an open-minded dude? Who's, about what, like, moving? who's an ambassador of the game? Yeah, like you know, kind of like. Do you, suggestions for changes, that kind of thing. No, I haven't gotten into that stuff yet. Gotcha. Well, that's next for you when you when you want to add another job, man. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. But I just wanted to share that with you because I thought it was really in- an interesting deep dive. No, on- it is. It's, I mean, something has to change, man. And and you know, the the lack of um just just action when you're watching a bit. You have to watch two games at a time. It's it's crazy, man. So. Or you have to be watching or doing something else. Like, you can't just focus on a baseball game. Like, it has to be the background of, of what you're doing. You know what I'm saying? Like, so we got to change that. Yeah, I agree. And, and to I be agree. honest, I just keep going back to, like, if you move the mound, it would change the way guys had learned how to pitch. Mm-hmm. And, and you would have to start throwing balls in and out and moving around again. And, yeah, I mean, you, you would see more Brad Rackies unless, hey. you know, yeah, you know, less well, guys throwing a and, thousand and, all over the place. And dude, then the guys who are like, you know, one of the things that's ridiculous is, you know, we have people who are, you know, we have way too many people who are around Sandy Koufax and Nolan Ryan strikeout rate, right? Like that should be special. That's the point. It's not that, it's not that like a guy going out there and striking out sixteen batters can't be thrilling. Of course it can, but it's thrilling when it's unique. It's thrilling when it's limited to. The Pedro Martinez's when the, when the and the CC Sabathias and the when Roger the Clements. Happen- yeah. Yeah. Y- when it's right? happening every night on a random fucking Tuesday, you're like, this is stupid. Yeah, exactly. Who the exactly. fuck wants to watch that? Yeah. Exactly. And, and look, maybe with the way they tweak the baseballs has had an effect this season too, but there are things where we need to get more action in the game. For the sake of the sport, it's got to happen. Period. Sure. Uh, you want you want to take a couple real quick uh, fan questions? Yeah, see? let's do it. All right. Derek, uh, Ponamski, who is the special assistant to LSU football head coach, Ed Orgeron, mm. says, did I butcher Ed's last name? No, that's how you say Ed Orgeron. Okay. He says, has CeCe ever been to a game at LSU? And would you guys like to, like to come experience Saturday night in Death Valley? Bro, let me tell you something. One of the best experiences I ever had in my life was going to an LSU game with, with Derek Jeter. Um, I can't even remember what year it was. But yeah, I've been to Death Valley and it's insane. So yes, accept that. Yeah. Yes. Because yes, it is Derek, we would an like to insane experience. Cause like I'm talking about the food, the people, like it's a big ass party. And you and it's in Baton Rouge and the food is great. So like everybody's inviting, you just walk around to people different tents and like it's a sick experience, cuz like <laughs> one of the dopest sport, sporting events you'll ever go to, especially if it's a night game. And Ooh. it's a big game, bro. Mm. It's insane, guys. I'm telling you. 
Exactly. Well, we should do it. That should be a group chat I, trip. I'm all in. I'll oh. go. I'll I'll go down to uh, to Venice, go fishing. I'll meet y'all in Baton Rouge. Oh, I love it. I except, love it. Accept that. Let them know we're in. Derek, we're in. We are we're in. in. Thank Derek. you for the in- invite, Derek. You, you sure. share the schedule with us. We're in, man. That would be amazing. I've never, I've never experience. gone to a big college football game. And if you want to go fishing, amazing. if you want to yeah. go fishing, we'll go down to Venice, Louisiana, too, first, and, and go fishing. I, I'm down to fish, man. Yeah, I'm down trip. to fish. Oh, I, I, I would love that. Nice. All right, good. We got plans. Um, how, how about this question from Parth Shah? who says, uh, his questions for both of us. First, for me, do you ever watch back highlights, clips of your calls? If so, what's that like? Uh, yes, I have. <laughs> um, every, every play-by-play announcer does, no matter what they say. It feels great when you love the call you had. Um, you know, sometimes you do it to, like, learn and get better. And then other times you do it just because you're kind you of know, pumping yourself up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, like, the other night, even though I was from home and it changes the way you call the game a little bit. I like my buzzer beater call. I listened to it quite a few times. Yeah. <laughs> like you, you do, you know, like a couple years ago, that crazy Yankee twin game in 2019. Yeah. I listened to the Hicks catch call a bunch of times. I still do. Yeah. <laughs> Judges home run in Seattle. Absolutely. Uh, but so, so yes, yes, you do. And that's what makes it fun. And then his question for you, C was, do you like seeing clips from your playing days? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I've never, I haven't watched any, but yeah, I mean, if I, if they're on, I'll, I guess I'll watch them. Didn't you used to watch before you like start, you would watch like things to pump you up. Yeah, Chad uh, would have the video done Chad, for you. Chad, Chad made us all videos. Um, yeah, he made, I mean, I had some good videos. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll see if I have them on my phone, but he made yeah. some, good, some good, uh, some good filming videos for the games. We should have to. We should put one up on the R two C two account at some we should, point. If man. I can find it for sure. Yeah. Sure. So, uh, by the way, Sadie Zillow, our outstanding coordinator producer, chimes in. Lemayhew went to LSU. Yeah. Speaking of good. going there, yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of speaking of LSU, he could come with us. Um, <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, let me see. There was another question I want to take one or two more. Okay, I like this one. Ben Huang asks if you can only watch. One Harry Potter movie for the rest of your life. Which one do you choose? Wow. I don't know if I can pick one, cuz. Mm. I, I don't think I can pick one because, like, you like because the story's not. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, there is. It's it's all a story. So you I need them all. Pick, yeah, I need them all. I can't just pick one. I'm not even trying to be funny. Like I'm like I'm dead serious. Like because if I'm watching them, then like if I'm if I'm watching one. And I want to see the like the next like what happened. Even if I like, I've seen them a million times. You know what I'm saying? Like I, was, d- I know what you mean. I know exactly. What you mean. It was a marathon on the other day, um, and I caught it right at at uh, in the middle of, of Prisoner um, of Azkaban, and I just watched the rest of them. Like, I love it, dude. You I, sat I, I there could, I could not watch yeah. it though. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I'm in. So <laughs> I can't, I can't pick one, <laughs> dude. Dude, that's me. When I was in Seattle uh, for the WNBA opener, and I was there for like four days. I think it was TNT had a marathon. It was that going. weekend. It was, yeah, that, it was weekend. that weekend. Yeah, yeah, two, yeah, for two sure. weeks ago. I know exactly. Yeah, yeah. I already know what you're talking about. Yeah. Same thing. I tur- I saw it in a hotel room. I was like, I'm not changing the channel the whole weekend. I'm yeah, not, I'm not. Cha- Maybe it wasn't TNT. Maybe it was like it was like TBS. Was, no, it was something. Yeah, that e, did, like, or was commercial. it E? Yeah, it was. No, like, it was, was on it e. e. It was e. on E because right? it was. Yeah. it was. They played a lot, a lot of the movie without commercials. 
Yes, yes. Because I was, yeah. all, I was almost like, damn, are they gonna play this without? You know, they gonna play it yeah. all the way through? Yeah, it was, and I and I left. And you know what else I like? Because I'll tell you what's some bullshit that these networks do. When they do a marathon, they cut it off at noon, at, at midnight, and then they begin it again the next day. Yeah. It's like, no, I want to wake up at four in the morning and watch and, this shit and watch this. Yeah. yeah. I want to. I, I want to. I want comfort food in the middle of the night if I get up. <laughs> like that's what I want. I I, I want to wake up and I want to see. I want to see Harry Potter, you know, coming out of the water, holding the two, the two people as he, <laughs> with, with the gills out of his neck. You know, that's what I want. I, I, I don't want some like scary movie ad popping up, you know, like, uh, no, I want I feel this. You. I feel yeah. you. If it's a marathon, make it a fucking marathon. Run it, run it straight through. Don't run it straight me. through. Even if it means you're just going to play the same one through the night so they can pick up the next day with it. Like, fine. Which is fine. But, yeah, it's fine. But it's funny, man. I did the same thing. I left it on all weekend. I caught like, I caught like three and a half movies, I think, during Yeah, and that yeah. was the same weekend. I was like, I was like oh, I'm locked in. I, it's I'm funny. I go through, I, I guess ultimately I would say Deathly Hallows Part 2 just to see the conclusion. But I agree. It's tough for me to choose, man. I like them all. Yeah, I really do. Crazy. All right. Last one. Lionel Cruz uh, asks, he says, love the show, guys, which we know, as C points out, if you compliment us, I'll always read your question. Um, <laughs> he says, random question. Hey, Cece, how is it you guys always had fresh haircuts? Is there a barber that used to travel with you guys? And how are they doing it now during the pandemic? P.S. Bring Gary Sheffield on the pod. Oh, what are you talking about with the Yankees? Yeah, just how you guys always had good haircuts. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, Jordan. Jordan is our barber. Um, and he's down there most days during the homestand. Um, so, like, if we had, I mean, what are the guys home de- a week right now? Um, he's probably there four days out of the seven. Um, so yeah, it was always a barber down there. We had a barber, we had a barber chair right there in the bathroom. Um, so yeah, I mean, he was always down there for, uh, for haircuts and uh, for COVID. I think, I think he, he had probably had to get cleared and he had his own key and pass and everything just to come straight to the clubhouse. Oh, that's awesome. Did, did, did you have, what about on the road? On the road, you just find whoever. Um, okay. Like I had been in the league for so long that I just knew barbers all over the all all over. So you just call somebody, bring them to the hotel, and then a bunch of guys get haircuts. Fair enough. Well, there yeah. you go. That's the answer. That's the we found it, behind it, the curtain. It, it did. It did suck being a Yankee because you had to be shaved. So that's like something that you had oh, to yeah. think about. You know what I'm saying? Like when you're on the other teams, you go on the road, you don't have to think about getting a haircut because you don't have to, have to be fucking shaved. But now when you're with the Yankees, you got to think about getting a haircut. That's that, that's actually something that they should provide. They should have a fucking barber traveling with us if you want us to be fucking clean shaven every goddamn day. <laughs> well, you know some people make a phone call. Man, shit. Now I'm, I'm, I'm pissed off all over again about the room. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Do you know what's weird, man? Uh, the other night, I actually had a dream. I was in a barber shop, and like I haven't, I've not gotten my hair cut by anyone other than myself. Since uh, since the pandemic, since you shaved it, yeah, yeah. Since I shaved it, I've just gone. I mean, you know, today I'm I'm a day. You know, I got a day a, a, a scruff here on the top of my head, but that's it. But then, I in my dream, I was actually like thinking, like, do they get even closer on the shave when they do it? See, like if you yeah. go to a barber shop, will they get closer than I go with a in, yeah, like when I'm like, doing with a straight razor. No, yeah. Jordan. Jordan comes here. He cuts my hair once a week, and it's like, what's today? Thursday. He cut my hair on uh, Sunday, and it's still like shaved close. 
Wow. So if, they do it, if they do it with a razor, it stays better. So if he, if when he cuts my hair, it's only once a week. Do you, do you then use a razor on your, like on your head uh, the other days? No. Or you just wait for him. I'll just wait for Jordan. Wow. That's, I'm, I'm going to have to go to Jordan once, man. Nah, see yeah, see Jordan, how I like it. Jordan's the man. He ever cut your head? Yeah, he cuts my hair. No, he doesn't cut your head. Oh, no. Nah. No, nah, Jordan's right. a fucking man, bro. I'm just making sure, man. I don't, nah, I don't, nah. Uh, you ain't gonna have no cuts, none of that shit, dog. I don't know how close the shave is. I don't need to be bleeding up there. <laughs> nah, nah, you're good. <laughs> Jordan's right, an good. expert. All right, good. All right, final thing, see. Uh, without knowing, we don't know the Western Conference playoff series yet for the for the Western Conference finals, but who do you, Clippers, Mavs, Lakers, Suns, who do you think emerges from the, the first round series that uh, remain outstanding in the West? I think I think I'm with you on the Clippers waking up right mm-hmm. um, after being down uh, 0-2. They tied the series up. They and, and Portland, Denver. I should say I, all the West is unsettled, I guess. But Utah's yeah. about to settle it. So ju- just uh, just those three. Who do you think emerges? Yeah. I think Utah emerges. I think I think the Suns beat the Lakers. Okay. And I think the Clippers come out. And how about Denver, Portland? I think Denver's going to win that series. As, as, as much as it's going to hurt me, I think Denver's going to win this series. I know. I actually, because I want to keep watching Dame, but I, I, I do actually really like watching Denver, too. That that series is just super fun to watch. It's um, just, uh, like, we got to get Dame another team, guys. Oh, man. I know, but I, but when he finally wins with Portland, it'll be amazing. No, nah, like, let's amazing. get him with Jimmy Butler, guys. Let's see that in Miami. Oh, in Miami? Well, that would be interesting. That would be interesting. That would be a really good Right. That would be a really good group. Yeah. Right. That would be a really good group. Yeah, it would. I think I think Portland's gonna find a way to win in seven. I think the Suns will win because of AD's injury. I I, I think that kind of changes things for me. And uh and then otherwise I had the Lakers going to the finals. And then I, I think the Clippers will win. Uh but uh but these are these are intriguing series. We'll see. Another show in the books. Yes, sir. As they say. You guys know the deal. New episodes every Thursday. Bonus episodes as well. Uh, follow us on Spotify. You 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 know you'll get the the episodes automatically updated or subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you get your podcasts. And, and you know then you automatically get them and tell everyone you know about how you've discovered the greatest podcast in sports because um, you know we'll take as many fans as we can get and. <laughs> Special thanks to our outstanding producers, Sadie Zillow and Bobby Wagner, whom we love dearly and always bring the goods for us. See you Thursday, everybody. Peace. Peace.